Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Bet on Brazil. That's right, we have a sponsor for the next couple of months, which we appreciate. That's Bet on Brazil. Can't you see that I've got a future as a continuity announcer? Well, perhaps not. So we'll move on to the podcast with Mark Ogden. We're still in St Etienne. In fact, we've not moved from the table where we recorded the first part of the podcast. So we've got a mixture of questions from United We Stand readers and chat as well. And should remember that the United We Stand summer issue is now out. 56 pages, biggest one we've ever done. Interviewing there with Wayne Rooney. You might have seen quotes from that over the back page of The Sun quite recently, where he talked about his desire to stay a Manchester United player until he's 86 and also be captain and he would be happy to continue renegotiating contracts. And who wouldn't if you're Wayne Rooney in that position? But I think the sentiment was that he's happy where he is, as you would expect him to be. Uh, Mark, in your view, what would be the biggest challenge at Old Trafford for Jose Mourinho? Um, well, there's a lot of big challenges in no particular order to prove that he's a guy that can give kids a chance. Um, he's not really done that before, but then I don't I don't buy into the Marcus Rashford's got no chance in the Mourinho thing. I think I think he's had his chance, he's taken it, and he's he and Anthony Marshall are now part of the part of the furniture. That they, they, they will be given. A, Mourinho's not stupid; he will, he will give these guys a chance. Um, I think probably the biggest challenge is to restore that winning mentality, that swagger, that kind of arrogance, I guess. And it's not a bad thing; it's that that belief that self-assured arrogance. Yeah, that. You know, there were, t- there were times last year when United got to go away from home and you just knew they weren't going to win. You just knew that they weren't going to go for it. And I think a lot of crap said about Marina that his teams are boring to watch. I, mean, I don't have the stats to hand, but virtually every season at Chelsea were the top scorers in the league and they would batter teams. They would put six and seven past teams. When, when they were on it. Whereas under Van Gaal last year, United would, you know, get a goal ahead and you'd never see them putting two and three past everybody. This wasn't. Marina's got a ruthless streak and he wants his teams to be ruthless and I think that's what United fans want to see this thing about flair football and going on watching a 4-3 game the last few seasons of Fergie it's some dreadful football it's terrible I mean I remember watching games against Sunderland and Reading thinking god this is terrible but they'd win the games later on and win the league so you forget about these terrible performances but that's champagne football at United since probably 2008 you know what? It's our 2009 when Ronaldo. Once Ronaldo left and Tevez to lesser extent, I think the Arsenal semi-final of the Champions League was probably the last time that United absolutely played like Man United. As people had this kind of utopian vision, it have been flashes since, but that was like decent Park. But that 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 was that was the example of the best of United and Fergie. But that's eight years ago now, and you know. So I think. Do you have any reservations about Mourinho? Because I remember being asked on on telly in 2011, who would you like to see replace Alex Ferguson? We didn't know when he was going to go, yeah. and I said straight away Jose Mourinho. And then I saw him closer at hand in Spain, and my view of him changed. He did so many things where I thought, "You absolute knob." Yeah. But he's clearly been successful. Mm. He's got talents. He's wanted this job for. A, a long time the stage is big enough for him it's his he's got money yeah. he's not going to have interference from above no, like, he, like like you get in Spain that's a big thing I mean I know Florentino Perez is big on interference and so is Abramovich at Chelsea so his last two jobs have been working for guys that won't give him the breathing space that Ed Woodward will give him and the Glazers you know some will say Ed says yes too much I don't buy into that I think Ed is the perfect boss for most managers 
you know, they have no excuses. It gives them a no excuses culture. So my only concern with Mourinho is whether after the inevitable charm offensive it gets messy and after a year maybe less than that but uh, well, it depends if you're not in the fifth or second I suppose yeah I, what I didn't like about him at Chelsea was the kind of the guys on the bench that would jump up and down hysterically I think I think really Farrier maybe has to kind of tone it down a bit at United I think he's the guy that could could get Mourinho into a bit of trouble um and I don't buy into this that because it's Man United they'll be more respectful. I mean, United are no bigger than Real Madrid. You know, let's be honest. And he was, he was United a Madrid and Barca are the three biggest teams yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, after a while, Mourinho was his usual self at Real Madrid. So yeah. let's not kind of pr- pretend that he's going to be sweetness and light. I don't think people want him to be sweetness and light. Again, go back to the Fergie era. Heaven says it, Fergie have issues with referees and opposing teams and you know Benitez, the Benitez row, the Alan Wiley situation. It, it, Fergie's no angel, so Fergie could repair relationships which he'd often damaged. Yeah, Mourinho's found that harder to do. Yeah, although I don't see Fergie with Benitez anytime soon. So no. uh, if, if, if he repaired it, it was Wenger. But again, that Wenger thing was because he wasn't a threat anymore. Mourinho targets people who are threats, and Fergie, did, Fergie was the same. There's nothing wrong with a bit of a abrasive tactics at times. I think. I think the good thing about Mourinho is he, he's coming determined to make a point to Chelsea yeah. to himself to yeah. prove that he's not and I think the Guardiola thing also is something that will challenge him but um, and he's, he'll, be, he'll be reading and seeing what people are saying about him yeah, yeah. and the doubts about him because United fans United we stand readers have been pretty consistently behind him being manager since Christmas 85% pretty consistently um, when I argued the point that Ryan Giggs should be manager very unpopular thing to, yeah. to write and I was surprised how few United fans wanted Ryan. Five and six yeah. percent, that low, not even twenty no, percent. So United fans have got the manager that they want. Yeah. And he has been successful. I can see all the reasons why he's he's brought in as manager. I hope he's very successful. And I think sat here now I'm quite optimistic that he will be. Yeah. Because we're probably gonna see the best side of him rather than I spoke to people who knew him at Chelsea in the last six months apparently was an absolute nightmare but there'll be another side to that yeah. and he knows if he does that at United he'll be the loser I think at Chelsea I think last, last year Mourinho's kind of problems obviously at the start when he either gets foisted a player on him that he doesn't want or he doesn't get the player that he wants sometimes the player doesn't come because he doesn't want to come but it seemed that Chelsea last year fell short on a couple of targets and he ended up with Falcao we all love Falcao don't we but not for what he does on the pitch it's just so I think with United, they'll do their best to get the players he wants, and they make it a little easier for him. But um, what do you make of the potential dangers with his agent George Mendes? Well, there, there, or, do you, or do you think that's a good thing? One person said to me last year, Mendes has got that many good players, he can effectively decide where the title goes. Yeah, I mean, there are exactly there are dangers and the positives. Um, the dangers are that United become a halfway house for a lot of his players. Um, they've not all been Ronaldo's, have they? Anderson, Bebe. So, you know, Mendes has got a mixed record, but I think having having a guy like that at the club, he also looks after David De Gea as well. So that's a good thing, surely. Cause it makes it easier to keep him, and it makes it easier to concoct positive stories, which benefit several parties. So yeah. today in Spain, there's a De Gea is now going to yeah. stay because of Mourinho. So that helps Mourinho. It helps Mendes. Yeah, and it helps De Gea. It's a win-win for all yeah, three. Of I think. I think it probably helps Ed Woodward as well because in terms of people would say about Ed, 
oh, he doesn't know enough people in the game. Well, hang on a minute, you've got Ed Wood, you've got George Mendes now, you know, he's got his, his top man at the club, he's in you know, Mourinho, what have you. So, you can't do any harm for United to get players in when they've got people. Every club, every top club has agents that do their bidding and get things done. It's just how it works, you know, and if you've got one of the most powerful agents in, in the world that's kind of, I won't say he's embedded in the club, but strongly connected to the club, it's not a bad thing. It can be a bad thing, it can become a bad thing, but... Because it can just be about the pursuit of money. Yeah, I mean, I think the worry would be, if you're a mid-ranking club that would get a good player for a year and then they go somewhere else the year after, I don't think United are a club that would be having players part there for a year to get a better move. Once, once United, like you say, United, well, Barca, Bayern Munich, that's when the players are at the level they're at, that's, that's the top level, so they're not going to be part there to move somewhere else. So, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I can see people's reservations, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. What do you, there's another question, what do you think of journalists who ally themselves to certain agents and managers? Well, the, the question's mentioned some names, but I don't think it's fair to say. Listen, we, we've all got to make contacts and, yeah. and uh, the, the danger is that you, you become yeah, a spokesperson for that, for that agent or manager. But, you know, the, but if, if they stop being a journalist, you become yeah. PR. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, it's, it's realizing when you become PR, you, you know, you, you, if you have to criticize a manager that you're close to, um, then it becomes difficult. I'm not particularly close to any manager, so it's quite easy for me to uh, to get stuck in if I need to, or, or otherwise. You just I'll just be fair, you know, not have your judgment coloured by um, by what's going on on the pitch, on your relationship with the manager. Agents is, is slightly different because I just find with agents that they use you more than you probably use them, you know. They tell you what they want to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes the messy part of it is you're being given a story to make something happen and... There's nothing there. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that... I mean, the Raheem Sterling thing was a messy one, but when he left Liverpool for City, that, that was just not a good way to for a player to be moved on. And, and you know... His agent was smart, he, he, he pulled the right levers, but it wasn't particularly nice to watch. And we're talking about two clubs here that Man United fans wouldn't really care too much for, but I think I think Liverpool were badly treated and disrespected. City got what they wanted, but they probably ended up paying too much for the guy, so I don't think anyone has really won that one, apart from Raheem Sterling. Um, I don't know what this question means. Have you ever straightened those ducks on the, on the wall in the house? What does that mean? I suppose that's something to do with... Uh, Hills Rock to the Coronation Street, is it? Ah, okay. Way before okay. my time. Okay. Um, has it ever kicked off on Sunday Supplement? Um, not when I've been on, which hasn't been very often. Um, no. No, even uh, they don't even fight over the croissants, to be honest. Any real ones? They are, actually, yeah. Not the bad for you. I know, but uh, yeah, they are real. Yeah, so's the coffee. How has dealing with United changed since Sir Alex Ferguson and David Gill? Hmm. Question is left. They're not left, have they? But that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, within an hour or so, it's going. Twitter, the, the club Twitter feed starts. So that gave you an idea what was going to change. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that Ed Woodward came in wanting to be more open and accessible than David Gill, and, it, and he certainly was. Probably too accessible and too open. People used and abused that, and Ed has now taken a much more cautious approach. I think it's really wise too, to be honest. Ed's, if people if people have this misconception that Ed Woodward's on the phone texting people saying this is going to happen, that's absolute bollocks. And that was never the case in the first no, place. No. But, but he would he would respond. He would respond to 
inquiries, yeah, and he would give you a steer. But that, inevitably, that was always going to end in tears because too many people were kind of on the on his, on his list of uh, contacts and too many people on his number. So, um, but there's a there's a, yeah, there's a more there's a desire desire to be more open. Um, listen, I've, I I don't have any complaints with United because I think I get on well with United and. You, you, you treat as you find, and I've had, I've had some decent interviews out in the last couple of years. You know, I got Van Hal as a one-on-one last season. I got, you know, I've spoken to Carrick, Ryan Giggs a couple of times. So I think that's basically because they trust me, and I, you know, I, I just I think they respect the way I work, and um, maybe it's a bit easier now that I'm not on the patch day today. But no, I mean, I, I can't complain. I'd be, I'd, it'd be wrong of me to complain because, like I say, I, I get decent access, and when something happens, I. I I can, get, I can get in touch with people I need to get in touch with maybe not straight away but yeah I think they're a very professional club in that respect Where do you see Gary Neville going next in management in football sorry not management is the question It's a really tough one I don't even think Gary knows where he wants to go I, I don't think you know, I think part of him wants to be a chief exec part of him wants to be a coach part wants to be a manager I think he, he misses the sky thing but I don't I, Gary can probably do all four I certainly think he can um, but I don't know. I tell you what really gets me at times how people automatically kind of suggest he's been a failure because he had six months at Valencia which didn't no. work. I mean that was United don't think he was a failure for no. a start. They told him so. But that was like that was such a tough job to take on with no with no Spanish a club like Valencia which big big club you know that have always pushed pushed him away for a long a long time over the last few years very political club. He went over there and he got great experience working in a foreign foreign league and it. Any experience is a good experience for me, even if it's a bad one. And I, I think it's too easy to say. And the problem is, too many, too many managers now have a bad experience in that. So that's why, you know, Ryan Giggs has got such a tough decision to make because if he leaves Man United and goes to X or Y and and has a bad season and gets a sack, then he's automatically portrayed as being a failure. Look at all the United, look at all the United a great record at Mould, they picked the wrong club in, in Cardiff, it was a disaster. Reputation tarnished, hasn't come back to work in this country. Brian Robson did really well at Middlesbrough, tarnished because he had a bad spell, he got him relegated despite getting two cup mm-hmm. finals. And you can go on and on about success is forgotten, like Fergus said, success is forgotten about quickly, but failure lasts burns forever, doesn't it? And I think we just got to be careful with picking the moment, picking the club. There's a lot of, I think it's a part of the British psyche, or certainly among some Brits, and you don't get it in America where they, they celebrate failure in others. There's a schadenfreude, yeah. I know it's a German yeah. word, because it makes them feel better about themselves, often yeah. with their own lives. Yeah. You can see people, they need a scapegoat, they need to vent the frustration. Yeah, absolutely. The football club is a, it's an emotional crutch for some of them. You know, if the Manchester United lose a game, I just switch my phone off now. <laughs> yeah, because people you get, you get people really, really angry because they've lost a game of football. Oh. I edit a fanzine, yeah. I have no influence in team selection whatsoever. <laughs> you get pissed up, angry people. Yeah. Another could win every game. And, uh, like next season, we've got we've got seven top managers next season that in the Premier League. We've got. We can't all win. One of them will finish seventh and be, fa- be a failure. We'll probably get sacked, you know. So you've got Wenger, Guardiola, Mourinho, Conte, Klopp, Ranieri, and Pochettino. You know, these are seven top guys. One of them's going to finish seventh, and clearly, you know, be out of a job I guess because they're not in the Champions League and they might even miss out in the Europa League but they're all top managers but it's just the competition is now so fierce that you can't expect to win every week it's not like the old days when it was just United and Arsenal it's different now 
What do you think of Twitter? It's quite an open-ended question, that, but someone sent it in. Yeah, I mean... I, I can see the value of it. I, I kind of... I, I treat it a bit, kind of, so what... I, I either tweet sarcasm or just tweet links to my stories. I, I don't really engage in... Uh, it's not a good forum for debate, is it? Not really, no. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, good source, it's a good source of stories sometimes. You know, if, if somebody in France or Spain tweets something about a certain play, you can kind of pick up in a day early one of them in the old days, but... You know, it's what it is, isn't it? It's uh, it's there. It's not going to go away. It's a necessary evil. But I, like I said, I just treat it with uh, put it at arm's length, really. Can United win the league this season? Is another question. Could Leicester City win it this time last year? No. And they won it, so of course no. they can win the league. I mean, last season United underperformed massively. I think if, if they'd have had a half decent December, they'd have been in the top four. They may have actually under a better manager. Sorry, a more adventurous manager. They could have won it last season because it was a, it's a wide open race. So they can definitely win the league this year because um, a lot of players in that squad have underperformed big time the last couple of years. So uh, yeah, I think not only can they win, they should they should expect to win it or turn as a challenge. What is the biggest impact of social media on football journalism? Is another question. Uh, well, I think going back to what I said before about the, the the noise, the permanent noise of transfers and this, you know, this. We were. Um, we were in a bar last night just chatting about this. We've been away a long time as we are chatting about social media. It's getting a really boring trip, but uh, just about how it was some of the older guys that were at the uh, England-Argentina game in '98 talking about how that night there was you know, five maybe back-page leads. Beckham being sent off, Michael Owen's goal, Sol Campbell's disallowed goal, England losing on penalties in the quarter-final in the second round of World Cup. Argentina players giving wanker signs to the England fans. It was just a crazy, crazy game. And all this took place without the noise of Twitter accompanying it. So the guys at the game could watch the game and consider what they were writing and write it and report it. And I was chatting to Paul Hayward about this. I just said, look, nowadays we just collate information because it's coming from all sides, you know. So even during the game, if it, the Vardy goal against Wales last week, before we'd even seen a replay, or someone was saying it was, it was actually Williams who was on side. So you collate, you're the eyewitness of the game, at the yeah. event, but you're being told by other people and that, that's what's changed because, like I say, 18 years ago at France 98, you were the guy there and you could make a mistake and get away with it you could say that it was Darren Anderson's cross rather than David Beckham's and nobody would pull you up on it nowadays an honest mistake sat way back at the top of the stand crucified it's lazy journalism lazy it's not, journalism it's not it's just you just got your head down looking at something and you know well, you've got to write 800 words during the game yeah yeah absolutely yeah. it's hard I know yeah this is it and if, you know, if, if one player with an umby can't really see too well puts a cross in uh-huh. what are you supposed to do luckily I don't lose any sleep over it and you've uh, you've got no Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know. And you've got nine minutes to deadline. Yeah. Someone says, "Are you actually being paid to do this?" I know. But it's only because they want they want your job. Yeah, this is it. I mean, one thing you can't do as a journalist on these trips is complain about having to get up at five o'clock in the morning for a flight to wherever because you're doing a job that people would love to do. Some people get up at five o'clock in the morning to drive a van to two hours down to a building site. So I get all that. You know, there are there are frustrations for the job, of course, like same with any job, but it's a great job to have and you know, we're doing this now and I'm gonna watch England play Slovakia in a couple of hours at in a packed out stadium in St. Etienne, so paid, there are worse so things well. to do, yeah. I hope oh, I get paid, no. yeah. Still miss my family. Yeah, this is it. I mean that's, that's another thing. I'll, I'll be away. Five weeks I'll be away. And then I come back for a week and I go to China, so that'll be another week. So uh I have to have a very understanding wife and uh kids that uh understand that when you go away they don't get as many presents as they want.
Next question is, can I use wet wipes to clean my telly or will it ruin it? The baby's got yoghurt chocolate handprints all over the screen and I don't know how to clean it without damaging it. I'd use wet wipes. Mr Sheen, that was, don't use Mr Sheen again. I wouldn't use wet wipes on a screen. Use them for me trainers. <laughs> I don't think I ever used wet wipes in my life until I became a dad. They're, re- they're really good. No, absolutely. Yeah. Use it on the screen and don't blame me if it doesn't work. What's your best moment as a journalist is another question which has been sent in. Um, oh, best moment is, I mean, everyone's gone about the Fergie story, so rather than get get bogged down in that one, um, I don't know, it's, the best moment as a journalist is probably getting this job, yeah, because it is, there are only kind of eight number one jobs in the country, and, you know, I didn't go to uni, I just went, I went to college, started off, I did a week's work experience at the Rochdale Observer, got a job at the Weekly News in Manchester, and then freelance for you know for seven or eight years and you know to be in this position now you know it's the top of the profession so I suppose that really because I didn't really have a career path or a career plan so to, to be able to do that you know, even if it only if it had only lasted six weeks at the end of when it went tits up and the paper closed it's it's an achievement in itself so I think that you know to, to be able to say yeah I'm I'm doing this job is probably the best the best moment when I got the job yeah. Another question relating to your job is, has there ever been an incident, moment, reaction where you thought, I just can't be doing with this either? Uh, what, do you mean a Twitter thing or just yeah, manage it? Yeah. Could be either, couldn't it? Yeah, there's, well, yeah, there's a, there's a few times when you write a story about a club or a player or a man, and the club comes on to so you complaining about it, moaning about it, and, you know, I understand that they're fighting their corner for the club and, you know, corporate issues they have to, but... You're not a PR agent, you're a journalist. I've said, it just, your duty is to the reader, to just, tell them the truth. It just does me any when you're getting pulled up for opinion and mm. stuff like that. And so, yeah, I've had, I've had run-ins with clubs and press officers and so it doesn't really bother me sometimes. I think I think it's, it's a good part of the job sometimes to, to prove you can kind of uh, roll with the punches and, and not be at their behest, but it just gets a bit tiresome sometimes when they're constantly in a case and threatening you with this and threatening you with that. When, you know. But did he, did he go through with the threats? Sometimes, yeah, but banning you from. I, uh, I've never. Oh, I've been banned by Fergie, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but. But well, Fergie then wrote you a letter, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was quite nice when he left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's it, your best mate in the industry? Best mate in the industry. Um, I've got a few. Yeah, I've got a few. I mean, on this trip in, in France, Danny Taylor's a good mate. Jeremy Cross at the Star. They're the two I'd probably hang out with. Ian Lady at the Mail. You know, James Ducker at the times. Yeah, they're all good lads. Um, but yeah, I've known Danny and Jeremy a long time. You know, they're both very different characters. And uh, but yeah, they're good company. And uh, yeah, you know, Rory Smith's a good lad. Uh, actually, I don't know where he's working for. The, every time I mention Rory, he's got a different employer. So uh, I, th- I think he's at the Times these days. But I'm sure he'll put you straight. But yeah, you know, he's moving. Yeah, he's got the New York Times. Yeah, isn't I didn't know what I was allowed to say. Yeah. We were allowed to say yeah. it. Yeah, I think we are, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I even get on with some of the Scousers, you know, Paul Joyce at the Express, yeah, Tony Barrett at the Times. Yeah. Tony Barrett is a proper Scouser, Tony. Uh, Tony won't be listening to this, but hopefully somebody will mention him in this podcast when he tweets it out. What can we say about Tony? Just put Mark Ogden on Tony Barrett in the Ambition United We Stand podcast and pass it on to Andy Heaton. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, that'll, that'll work. At what stage did you know Van Hall was on borrowed time? It's the next reader's question. Um, I think was it the Norwich game at Christmas? 
which came for the Norwich or the Stoke game. I think it was the Norwich Nor- was the 19th of December. Stoke was Boxing yeah, Day. Yeah, I think it was the Norwich game when it was fairly obvious that the wind began to blow in a different direction. Um, we all thought that it was going to go over Christmas, and then when he lost at Stoke, and the, the Chelsea game was beginning to build up into a win or bust, and it was a draw, wasn't it? But I think from that from that point on, it was fairly obvious that it was. Uh, well, saying that, it was obvious that he should have been under threat, but. I really don't think Ed or the Glazers wanted to, wanted to do it until late on, even though the Marina thing was a long, a long running thing. If, if they'd have finished in the top four, I, I still don't know where they would have gone. I mean, I, I don't know we'll ever know, but there, there was certainly support from the stay. Yeah. And even over that Christmas period, as you say, uh, I was speaking regularly to one of his, his closest friends who we had on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. and morning of the Chelsea game he said to me he thinks he's going mm. they've made plans Yeah, I couldn't say it at the time but just knowing that, that piece of knowledge helps with your writing yeah. and then five hours later I was at Old Trafford in the press room when he came through and because he'd not been beaten because United had played quite well he was a completely rejuvenated figure yeah. and it shows how quickly things can change in football I think as well because United is such a big club and a big kind of Quite a steady club. I don't think they wanted to be rushed into it. I don't think they wanted to be seen as. They wanted to show he's in control. Yeah, they don't want to be seen as kind of jump into the the, the media drums, I guess. And uh, quite right. Yeah, quite right too. And uh, he, he rolled the storm, didn't he? But he rolled the storm and always pulled himself back from the brink just as the brink was approaching. Yeah, and, uh, he did it six or seven times. Yeah. So uh, listen, I mean, like I said, he, he gave me an interview last season, and I'll always be grateful to that. And I think he's probably has done some good things when he came in that summer. I was in LA and saw him putting him through training at Pasadena. He looked like the boss, a man in charge. And I know the players initially were told to tell me that, yeah, he feels like the boss, and I wish he'd come after Fergie because David Moyes was never never the boss. So I think initially he brought back that sense of leadership, but it just became it just became far too cautious. And the football was crap. There wasn't enough goals. And no, it was abysmal. Finishing outside the top four, it's not good enough. No, it was abysmal. And, uh, you can't, as Man United, you can't accept finishing fifth. You just can't, you can't finish your fourth bad enough, but you can't accept finishing fifth. And he was always going to pay the price, I think, for that. How long do you think it will take Mourinho to return United to the top table in European football, if at all, is the next reader's question. Um, and if you were Mourinho, what would be the first five things you'd do? Well, the top table of European football, I mean, that, look at the top table right now is, is kind of owned by Real Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona, and I think United are a long way from yeah, any, anywhere near that. but. You know, in 2008, English clubs were dominating, weren't they? That was eight years ago. Will Lionel Messi be around in eight years? And and there's Iniesta, probably not. So there'll be a. Spanish teams are absolutely pissing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, an easier league and you know individual TV rights. It will be hard. Yeah, but Sevilla get less money than Swansea City. Yeah, but Barcelona, Real Madrid get. You know, that's that's how they make. Mid-ranking Spanish teams are doing far better than much. Better well, resourced English team. Well, they're smarter in terms of recruitment and Not talent spotting. I mean, it always amazes me. Atletico Madrid have gone through so many great centre forwards, but they always find another one. You know, Torres, Aguero, Diego Costa, Griezmann, Falcao. That's five in the last ten years. They've got good scouts. So, so I think. Aguero. Yeah. Forlan. Yeah. Well, they did, Forlan was United, to be fair. They got him for, but, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. your point. Yeah. But, um, but they do. It's a club renowned. Yeah. You know, uh, Boutre, year, years yeah, ago. They, they, dig out, they dig him out from nowhere, you know. So, I think it'll be hard for me. You know, he, he won't do it in his three year contract term. He just won't. But, so, 
the next part of the question, the first five things you should do. Jeez, that's a big one. Um, it is. Well, just kind of impose himself as the boss, that's the obvious thing. Now, they do that very quickly, probably not already. I like the fact he's in there now and he's working, you know. David Moyes made a mistake by not getting in there in the middle of May. Van Gaal, that was a problem, he came in the middle of July after the World Cup, so Marina's not making that mistake. I think he needs to um, get the spine of the team sorted out, you know, get some get some men in there, like we said, get some sense of leadership in there. He needs to find, second, third, he needs to find out what he's going to do with Wayne Rooney because Rooney's telling people over here that he wants to play midfield. Told United we stand. Yeah, so is he is he a Mourinho midfielder? I don't know. Well, Jose said to him, look, Wayne, I still think you're the best number nine that we've got. Will he go back to that? Yeah, yeah, in that role. Um, beyond that, I think. It'd be good if Mourinho hit the ground running in the Premier League. Yeah. And that would involve a win against City in the fourth game of the season. Yeah. Because it's all about the start. If you look at Chelsea and such and last season, Chelsea always used to start brilliantly. And that's what Ferg used to say, that they changed the way they prepared because Chelsea set the bar so much higher. So I just think Josie has to come in there and rectify the mistakes the last three years quickly. What's the biggest animal that you could kick to death and would you do it? <laughs> The next question. Uh, We're prob- there, no? Probably a mouse. And yeah, I would if it was a mouse. Did you know there's an Ogden Road in Bramall with massive houses all along it? Have you ever lived there? I own that road. If football ceased to exist tomorrow, which sport would you cover? Gosh, rugby. Well, leave. You can't be union. I don't know anything about rugby league or rugby union. I, I do like the. I don't. The, I like the British Lions test, but that's every four years. So if I do a job at I mean, if you don't know anything years. about him, you couldn't cover it. What sport do you next know most about? Uh, if you if you got asked to do the Tour de France, oh, Jesus no, that's BMX. That's, that's BMX riding, isn't it? Uh, I, Cricket? No, boring. I enjoyed I enjoyed taking my wife to the uh, New York Knicks in February at, at Madison Square Garden. But no, I don't know really. I don't know. At the end of the day. I've not really. I was a fo- I played football as a kid. Didn't really. I played basketball and cricket, but only because I had to. Didn't, didn't, well, so I don't know. I'll be at work. Um, you, re- you referenced your wife in the in the, the last answer. This this question is in no way related to that. But have you ever shouted "oggy oggy oggy oi oi oi" at the point of climax? <laughs> and that's from Remo. I'm going to name him because he's putting, he's sending these questions in, and I've got to look at you and ask them. Yeah. Uh, no, was the answer to that one. Name a film that's made you cry. I don't really cry very often. I'm not like that. I'm a bit hard and cold like that. So uh, uh, no, I can't think of anything that's made me cry. No, sorry. Have you ever used the throne after Martin Samuel? And if so, how badly did your eyes burn? And if you don't want to answer this, I completely understand. Because we had Martin on a on a in United we standing in an interview a couple of years ago. And he was good with us, and he is good with us. Yeah. He's a decent fella, and he respects us, he knows what yeah. the fanzine is. But the questions, the tone of the questions, the first one was Martin. Yeah. When you go into a chip, you know, the fish, chips, peas, pie, pudding, farm cake, <laughs> I just fucking couldn't ask half of them. Well, so if you don't want to answer that. No, I will answer that. The answer to that is, if you've ever walked past the toilets at these stadiums in France, these media toilets, they're absolutely horrendous. They, to, I, walked, I walked past the toilets at the Stade de France last week during the Ireland-Sweden game and it was like a force field was coming out it was 
horrific. They'd so, use a media toilet. Yeah. You know what? I'm in with the fans. Well, I don't think they're better than the media toilet. And they're toilet. really good. Yeah, well, well, maybe that shows what your wife think of the media. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> I think the fans will agree with that. Yeah. Uh, that's it. We've run out of questions for you. Um, thank you for your time. And we can read you most days. I think most people listening to this know yeah. exactly who you are, but you're on Twitter, aren't you? What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle now is MarkHogden underscore. And I'm at the Indy website most days, yeah. Right about England, so no, not many United fans will be bothered about but that. But you'll really. still be doing United stuff. I'll be after China. You'll be, get, you'll be getting the calls, which I get. Can, yeah. you, just, can you just... Yeah. Which means, give us a United story. Yeah. One of the tabloid United lads who we both know, he said to me recently, his desk had just called him, have you got anything ferreted away on Man United? <laughs> they wanted the back page. Yeah. And he said, if they had it ferreted away, I would have given it you a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, it's a winning formula, Manchester United, yeah. in journalism. No, no. It's the Sadly golden not ticket. In football. No, that's true. Thanks for your time. No so that's this podcast over, brought to you by Bet on Brazil, who, as I said, will be sponsoring us for the next few months. We're going to bring you the one, the second part of the one with the United We Stand Sellers next week. And before we know it, we'll be in China as well on the pre-season tour. I'm going to go over there and watch Manchester United against... Um, Borussia Dortmund and a team called Manchester City, something like that, playing in Beijing, somewhere like that. Until next time, goodbye.